Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Angie Austin, Jim Stovall here, author, speaker, movie maker. Jim Stovall writes his column every week, the Winner's Wisdom column, and I've been looking forward to this one, Quiet Quitting. Hello, Jim Stovall. Well, hello, Angie Austin. It's always good to visit with you. It's so funny when I brought this up to you like a month ago, you're like, oh, I already wrote that column. It'll air in a few weeks. So here we are a few weeks later, this quiet quitting term. They're adapting it, I think, because they're getting such bad uh, pushback on the term quiet quitting. So now they're kind of readjusting what they're saying it is. So uh, let's talk about this quiet quitting column. What are we going to learn today? Well, obviously, it came out in social media, and thousands and thousands of people have kind of signed on to it. And quiet quitting are people that uh, have made a decision to go to work and do no more than is required of them, do the minimum, and leave. And that's what they've decided to do. Now, here again, I, I always believe there's two sides to a story. You know, if someone's actually working for a boss that requires you to work and you don't get paid for it and they abuse you and, you know, things that are just completely out of bounds, yeah, you you don't need to quiet quit. You need to just quit quit mm-hmm. and just leave. I mean, there's never been a better time in history to go get a better job. But this isn't what this was about. This started out as a group of people that just said, uh, you know, they were claiming to have some kind of life balance, and I'm just not doing any more than the minimum required at at work, and that's what I'm going to do. And the problem with this is not just your work. It's the fact that the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And if you think you can go and spend 40 hours a week and kind of halfway do something and just be okay with a mediocre performance, that's going to come out in your personal life, in your family life, in every area of your life because that's, you know, winning becomes a habit and losing becomes a habit. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Napoleon Hill's work and in his landmark book, Think and Grow Rich, he wrote, one of the keys to success is his principle of going the extra mile. You know, do something you didn't get paid for, so someday you'll get paid for something you didn't do. And I believe in the universal principle that we never do anything, good or bad, we don't get paid for. Sooner or later, everything we do comes back around, good or bad, and we get paid for it. So I really feel for these people that are signing on to this deal and saying, I am going to be one of those where I'm just going to do the least I can. And, you know, and there's a matter of integrity here. I mean, is that what you told your boss when you went in for the interview? Hey, I'm a quiet quitter. I'm only going to do the very least I can. And get, No, nobody ever got a job that way. That wasn't the expectation that you delivered. And uh, I just, I think this is wrong on so many levels. You know, it's funny. I'm giggling about that saying, you know, hey, I'm a quiet quitter. I'd love to work here because it seems like I could really hide from you a lot, not do much. Um, my my husband and one of his partners, there's three uh, founders, they have been bringing up the term quiet quitting. Uh, they have a millennial, very highly paid uh, uh, manager who has kind of disappeared since COVID. He only wants to come into the office like once or twice a week and they'll assign him things to do and they don't really get done. And then another uh, one of their employees needed something done and she had like an email thread that you know showed that she'd asked him for this multiple times and he wrote up like some kind of a manifesto defending himself and 
Um, so they brought up the term. <laughs> now they bring up the term often about quiet quitters, you know, and not specifically saying him. I mean, believe me, I don't know why they don't fire him. But anyway, he's been doing a lot more lately because he's finally been found out, you know. And so when all these other quiet quitters get brought up, he's like, oh, yeah, it's terrible. And so he's been working so much harder because once the quiet quitter really gets found out and, they, you know, they're exposed and they open the closet door and shed some light on them in their hiding from you know doing anything extra which then they some of them that don't want to get fired actually pick up the pace but Jim I don't think that actually started as only doing the minimal amount necessary I think quiet quitting started as look for another job while you slack off let's say you're in sales and Mm -hmm. there's been a situation where one of their top sales guys who makes a lot in commissions from prior sales so if he doesn't make new sales for three months he's still making a really fat paycheck from the residual months in the last two months well don't tell me that those three months he couldn't have done the same thing it's because that is quiet quitting but I think it started out as looking for a new job and just getting by like you know really like quitting but not quitting I keep you keep the paycheck until you actually formally quit that's what I think it started out as and people are like well that's wage theft you can't do that and they're like oh no 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 quiet quitting is just only doing the minimal amount like I sent you that article about Conan O'Brien's assistant 13 years and she says she's been quiet quitting for over a decade and she accepts that she's mediocre and has found ways to do the minimal amount of work possible and she said workers shouldn't have to go above and beyond if they don't want to but Kevin from Shark Tank, Mr. Mean or whatever they call him, uh, he um, he says it's horrible for your career. It's like introducing a cancer into your culture. It's like he gets like, I hope that you all work for my competitors because I don't want you working for me. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, and these people presume a couple things. First off, they presume that bosses and other HR departments don't read social media. Right. And they do. I I have a dear friend who's one of the top people in the speaking and writing profession. And several years ago, he was trying to hire a personal assistant to run his office. And this is a very critical role because he's on the road most of the time. And he had found a young lady that he was going to hire. And, you know, and she was coming in that day. He was going to make her the formal offer. And then he found on her Facebook site, she'd put right out there in front of everybody. You know, this guy's a clown. I really don't want to work for him. But until my boyfriend gets a permanent job with health insurance, I'm going to take this and then I'll dump him later. And she came into his office and he said, I am sorry. I, I just found something that I think impacts the conversation we were going to have today. And uh, he just turned the screen around so she could see it and said, what am I supposed to do with that? And, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's just really, really not a good way to run your life. And when you join this group or you sign on to these things and you become a part of a culture, you got to remember, you become like the people you hang around with all the time. And this is just not a great way to live your life. And uh, as you know, my late great mentor and friend, Coach Wooden, had a sign over the locker room door of all his championship teams. We coach everything here except effort and attitude. And that's the way I feel it might come. You show up with 100% effort and 100% attitude, you can pretty well learn everything else. Uh, This isn't that tough. 
But, uh, you know, if somebody's got to watch you all the time and we've got to follow up after you to make sure you're doing what you said you would do, uh, no, I, we don't need that noise. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, life's too short. Going for maybe three days, which to them is a big deal to not be able mm-hmm. to text. And, and the shoes are like $120 a pair if you get the kind that, like, protect their ankles, you know. So anyway, mm-hmm. um we're putting a huge investment for half an hour or however long on the way home because they don't want to listen. So I assume you learned all that at home. I mean, uh, we, we provide restrooms here at our place because we assumed everybody was uh, potty trained at home. Be a quiet quitter. Be a quality quitter. And just say, hey, this isn't working for me. I don't have the passion for this. And I need to work somewhere where I do. And uh, you need to ha- you deserve to have somebody in here that feels that kind of passion about this position. Well, and you're a guy uh, that you don't have quiet quitters because they want to stay there and you don't you don't want to work with jerks. How long, uh, tell people how long you've had some of your employees. I think the newest one is over 20 years. Oh, and, gosh. Uh, most everybody, well, no, not most, everybody that's worked for me for any period of time is now a millionaire. And uh, we're committed to that. And uh, because, you know, I'm in the success business. And if, if, uh, if I can't help the people that are on my team be successful, I really don't feel I can help other people out there. And, and my people have done it themselves. They work hard. Yeah. They invest diligently in their retirement. They've paid off their homes. You know, we we were sitting around the table the other day, just, uh, you know, six, eight of us sitting around, and we were talking about mortgage rates, and then I realized nobody in the room has a mortgage. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. You know, and these are just people that, uh, you know, they believe in what we teach, and... uh, and they've they've changed their lives. And I certainly don't have a problem with having a mortgage. It's just uh, those things, you know, they're not a pet. You don't have to keep them for life. You can pay right. them off. Right. Oh, I'm working for the wrong person. Myself. I'm working for myself, Jim. I should be working for you. Okay, so here's the deal. I want to tell you one more thing. Um, I wish you could take this kid under your wing for one month and I could send him to you. He's on my son's baseball team. He was completely disrespectful in front of the other team, in front of the coaches, in front of, you know, his teammates. And so they told him to go home, you know, head on home, get your stuff, get out of here, you know. He sends a group text to all coaches and all players basically telling that uh, coach to blank off with a picture of him with one finger stuck up, basically on the group text. And I told my son, I said, see, you can never take these things back. He'll never play high school baseball again. The main coach of the whole, you know, um, uh, team, like all the teams, right, uh, wrote back, you know, what's up, so-and-so, Bobby or whatever. Like, he's done. And I said to my son, you can't take these things back. That's why when they called my daughter and said, hey, we're switching you to this other team, and she didn't want to leave her coach, and she whispered to me, I don't want to play for any other coach than this coach. I said, don't say you're going to think about it. Do not make a decision now in the heat of the moment. This quiet quitting thing, it's going to come back to bite a lot of people in the rear end because, as you mentioned, these things stick around on social media forever. Jim, your website? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. jimstovall.com. Thank you, my friend. Great conversation. Be well. Manitou Springs is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT. When you shop at your local ARC, your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities. 80% of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed, 
At ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of their employees are individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. ARC Thrift is one of Colorado's most prominent employers for people with disabilities. They provide extra support for their employees, allowing them to decide how they live, learn, and work through the ARC Ambassadors program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year. ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission of going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Shop at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find your nearest location at arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Hey friend, Angie Austin here with the good news. Well, according to the Federal Railroad Administration, there were 2,147 highway rail incidents at public and private crossings in 2021. Well, that's not uh, good news, but we are going to get to the good news of the safety. You know, those incidents led to 236 fatalities and 666 injuries. So obviously this is a serious issue. Joining us today is an expert in the area. William Miller is the public safety director at Norfolk Southern, where he has the system-wide responsibility for grade crossing safety programs and educational initiatives in this sponsored interview. Welcome, Will Miller. Thank you so much, Angie, for having me. Hey, you know, we have Crawford uh, stations all over the country, and uh, interestingly enough, um, my Crawford boss in uh, in Denver, he, um, his daughter, just the most gorgeous young college student with, you know, ear pods in her ears or whatever it was at the time, was in downtown Denver, and she could, didn't hear, and it was like one of those situations where like one train was leaving and then you could walk, but then there was another coming the other way or something to that effect, and uh, she survived. But it, it has been a, a really long recovery and a very hard road for her. And it was a life-changing, you know, incident. So this kind of hits close to home for us. And I think you know, Will, with all of these YouTube videos now, that we're seeing so much of this when back in the day we'd just hear about it. And now you can actually see it because there's so many cameras that show us how prevalent these uh, railroad, uh, you know, incidents are with, um, you know, fatalities and injuries. Yeah, and and look, it can, it can happen to anyone, and that's why it's important to to really take advantage of uh, Rail Safety Week to really get out to people because in the United States, every three hours, a person or a car is hit by a train in this country, and that that leads up to those staggering numbers that you let off with. You know, last year there were over twenty one hundred crossing incidents, and over eleven 1, hundred trespasser casualties in the United States every every three hours. So we really need to educate people on what they should or should not do in order to keep themselves safe. Now, are we, we're talking um, vehicles and people walking, or is there, or they subcategorize this? The, those are really the two distinctions. So, um, you know, it, pe- people driving over the tracks at crossings and then people that are walking on the tracks or on railroad property who become injured um, really are the, the two different types of things that we're talking about. All right. So in terms of, you know, the way things were, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, how does it compare now to the stats now? They, they, the numbers have come down fairly dramatically since uh, the 1980s. But the, the issue is that if you look back just over the last 10 years, the trend line has really plateaued and leveled off and, Thankfully, it's not increasing, but it's not decreasing either. And that's where we want to see it go. 
okay, not decreasing either. You know, it, it's shocking to me. Like, people take it so lightly. I mean, we're not talking a car hitting you. We're not talking a semi hitting you. We're talking a train. And when people go around these things because they're a little like, oh, I'm rushed or this, that, and the other, I'm just flabbergasted by that. Yeah, we, and, and we are too. Um, in fact, you know, if you look nationwide, it, it, these are not accidents, Angie. These are these are all preventable type of incidents. And you're right. Looking back last year, the the three most common things that lead to these type of incidents are a driver that just did not stop at a crossing. Uh, you know, didn't look both ways for a train coming. Um, a driver that stopped on the crossing, meaning they didn't give themselves enough room to uh, to clear on the other side before. Uh, pulling up on the tracks, or like you said earlier, a driver who chose to drive around lower crossing gates uh, for whatever reason in an attempt to to beat the train, and it's uh, it they're staggering statistics. But if if people just don't do those kind of things, the the trends and the numbers will go down the way that they should. Well, and this isn't just like, <clears throat> you know, like a silly kid messing around either. You mentioned preventable. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a talk show host. He was my my former co-host's best friend, Doc Thompson. He was down in Dallas and he was jogging. It was just a couple of years ago, just jogging along. You know, he's a dad, wife, kids, the whole nine yards, a very successful radio show and jogging and didn't hear the train. I, I don't know if they told us if he was on the tracks or next to the tracks, but you know, very well-educated man. This isn't just somebody goofing around. It's somebody not thinking like, oh, I, this this could be dangerous. We all think that, oh, we'll hear the train. We'll hear the vibrations. We, you know, won't be distracted. And I just think that it's important for us not even to get into those situations, you know, that maybe you run a little further from the tracks. You know, you don't need to be so close. I'm assuming he was just too close to the tracks when the train came uh, along. It can happen to anyone. And what people should know is that when, when you're on foot or on bike, you should never be on railroad property. Those tracks are for one thing, and that's mm-hmm. to carry trains. They're also private. They're also private property, which means you're trespassing. Oh, I don't think. And I, yeah, I don't think people know that. It's a, yeah, I, well, your listeners know now. It's uh, it's it's not okay to be there. It's a place for you know railroad employees and people that are trained and have a reason to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a dangerous. Pl- it's a dangerous place to be um, because of the reasons you said. People with earbuds in or you know, a hoodie on and it takes away their sense of hearing and vision. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, you just don't need to be in that situation. Well, let's talk some more about, um, you know, some of your top safety uh, tips, because this is your life's work right now. Um, you know, when that when that arm comes down, I, I used to live next to a railroad truck when I was a kid and whew, that was loud. But we didn't even have an arm at our crossing at that time. Let's say this was maybe 30 years ago. And uh so if that arm comes down, people think, oh, when the arm comes down, I still have like a minute. When that arm comes down, there's not much time is my understanding. So let's talk about some of these safety tips that you teach people in your educational forum. Yeah. So so those features at a, at a crossing that has, you know, lights, gates, a bell, any combination of, they, it means that a train is approaching and you need to stop. You need to wait for the train to pass and you need to wait for those uh, lights to stop flashing red be- before you proceed. Make sure the trains not coming. If you see a track, think, think train. Be looking for a train in both directions. A train can come from any direction at any time. So, you know, it's really, I say that it's up to the driver to make sure they do the things that they need to do to keep themselves safe. 
the train is doing what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, lights are flashing, uh, horns blowing. It's 16 feet tall. It's 10 feet wide. Right. You know, it doesn't just jump out of nowhere. Right. Um, you need to res- you need to respect that because um, it, it could be tragic if you get hit by a train. And I've seen two real situations where someone's maybe broken down or stalled on the train tracks and they think they have time. My feeling is I don't care what kind of car it is, like I'm getting out. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to try to get it restarted or have somebody hop out and push me through so they can get hit by the train. You know, it's my cars, you know, eking across the tracks. Like just get out. I know we're all worried about, you know, everything we have in the car and our belongings and the vehicle itself. But if you for any reason, I know it's rare, but if you stall, my feeling is if that train's coming, just get out. Um, And I I, I think that... um, you know, you doing this during the safety week is a really great idea because I don't think that many of us do respect um, the train enough. I think because, well, I'm in the news business and have been for so many years, I'm maybe ultra paranoid about everything because I always hear about and cover the worst case scenario of many things. And, you know, I worked in L.A., Denver, San Diego, um, Santa Barbara. So every day I would go out and talk to people in the worst case scenario, right? I'm not talking to them on the best day of their life. So I'm not kidding you. My kids give me flack about this. But every time I get near um, the railroad tracks, I do slow down and I do look both ways. I don't come to a complete stop because I don't want to get rear-ended, but I definitely look because I don't trust anything but my own eyes. That's right. And and that's, that's a, that's a good way to go about it. Um, it, you know, getting back to your point, if, if you are, stalled for whatever reason hung up for whatever reason definitely get out and, and get way away if, if you see a train coming uh, but there's also a blue sign at every crossing and that's called an emergency notification sign oh it has a 1-800 number that goes sh- straight to the railroad dispatchers tell them where you are it's got an identification number on there tell them where you are what your situation is and that gives uh the the railroad dispatching folks a chance to try to stop any approaching train traffic so that you're not hit. But don't try to get it off the tracks. Don't call your friend for help or anything like that. Let us know right away. Okay, well, I didn't know that either. So that's interesting. So it'll give you like a number, like I'm at um, crossing numbers 72, and they know, oh, that's Parker and whatever, you know, whatever road. And so they can get in touch with the train ASAP. Precisely. Huh. That's interesting. All right, Will, um, parting words and a website where we can get more info. What do you want us to take away? I, I want everybody to, to you know, take their own actions into consideration when driving and, and not be on railroad property walking. Um, and to get more information, you can go to oli.org uh, for more information on Rail Safety Week, for safety tips, to schedule a presentation, or to learn how to become a volunteer yourself. Awesome. Give us that website one more time. It is O-L-I dot O-R-G. Excellent. Thanks for all the great info, Will. Thanks, Angie. Appreciate you having me. You betcha. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.